Hello and welcome to the Malbrushmore podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins and I'm joined by my good friends Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. What's up, Doc? These schmoes spend most of their time arguing with each other about the Mount Rushmore of life, the four things that best represent a certain topic. And they've asked me to jump in and serve as judge and jury and mediator to make sure their marriage stays solid. This week's topic is secondary Looney Tune villains. Now, whose idea was this? Mine, I believe. Okay. So I think that means as having home field advantage, I'm going to let. Mr. Winf- Monsieur Winfield go first. I like that it's let me go first. The, the rules clearly <laughs> state in the bylaws of podcast dumb. Yeah. That, um, the, the rules that we just made up like t- two minutes ago before. Well, right we, before you walked in the door, the door. We, we've made up the rules. Yes. If going the idea forward, is yours, the other goes first. I think that's what the runners are right. There needs to be a rhyme for that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, anyway, you, Winfield, you're up. Well, I, volley? I had to. I really had to hit a home run. You know, I had to reach for it. I think uh, Michigan J. Frog from Ooh, wow. uh, One Froggy Evening. Oh, also wow. on my list. Oh, uh, it's garbage. Wow. God, I want to change it now that you've also selected. So remind you really thought that was going to be, by the way, like, a, oh, my God, you chose that. What? Remind. Well, I, I kind of really did. Yeah. I mean, your hat just did rise out <laughs> off your head. That whoop was. And also, there'll be sound effects during this because we're talking about cartoons. Uh, Richard, do the honors. So which one is. OK, I think it's this one. That's the, I believe, the anvil falling on the head. We got this one. Clearly a car horn. That was on the hat actually coming right off, yeah. straight okay. off my head. So All right, let's talk about sound effect. Let's Michael talk about first. one froggy evening for a bit, then, fellas. Uh, what an incredible cartoon! It's the best. One of the best. Uh, it's a story of an operatic frog that was found in a box uh, under a construction site. By a, some would say greedy, but I think it's probably he's just more opportunistic. Start at, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. he sees something incredible. This singing frog that no one has ever seen before, you would assume. Mm -hmm. At least since the 1890s when some other poor schlub buried him in the building. I guess that's, I guess ultimately by the end of it, you discover that. He's immortal. This is this immortal, uh, you know, this is a Cthulhu type frog. It's just been. (laughs) He is he is like the pan, he is yeah. in Pandora's box that's been unleashed to humanity to destroy one person at a time. Yeah. It might take, you know, an eon, but he's going to get all <laughs> he of will them. Come back. It's like the 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 alien in the thing. He was contained and then released. Yes. To, to torment again. Yeah. So um, this frog, basic Michigan J frog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where they got the J from. Now, how is or the he? Michigan? I do know. Wikipedia reveals all over here. Well, the Michigan was from the song, the Michigan Rag. Everybody's doing the Michigan Rag. Oh, that makes rag. sense. Yeah. And then the J was just some interviewer was talking to Chuck Jones about it years later, and the interviewer's name was J. So he thought, oh, that'd be a good middle name for him. Okay, his middle name was Jay. Sure. Why is he a villain, though? That's what I don't know. Well, he, I, I guess he's the, this antagonist. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's I mean, purposefully yeah. ruining this guy's life who, you know, he first goes to this talent agency and tries to get them to see how, this amazing thing that he can make some money off of. And, you know, he won't perform. And then he uses his life savings to rent out a theater. God, that sounds so familiar, yeah, Jeff. King Kong. Oh, <laughs> no, my life. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. To, um... Ooh, when podcasting gets real, Michael. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. To, you know, to put on this great big stage show. <laughs> That's the anvil hitting my head. <laughs> and, um, you know, he won't he won't perform. He yeah. won't he won't sing. He won't dance. He won't uh, yeah. soft shoe. Yeah. And then. Uh, I mean, this is not stage fright here. No, this is tried, yeah, this I mean, is a clear, like malevolent, amphibious menace yeah. who is purposely he, doing. This. He drives this person 
to the the booby hatch Does to he the not? psych warp. He gets him arrested and thrown in like like the loony, the loony then, so to the, speak. Yeah, I, I see. I, I see it as like an kind of a. a film where there's this objective correlative there's this guy who has his inner desires to be entertainer he's a simple laborer and in this time he wishes there was more attention towards him he wishes he was in the spotlight i don't think michigan J. frog exists i think he's <laughs> this is all in his head a projection of this guy's consciousness and his desire to be in the world of vaudeville that's certainly possible. I mean, I, Why is he a villain, though? Because he, he, he entertains this guy. But his, but he's not inter- he's entertaining him because he knows, just like the last guy probably did, he's going to take him and try and convince everybody else that he's got this singing frog and no one will believe him because then he'll shut up. Okay. And then he's going to... He's the devil incarnate, is yeah. essentially what... 100, 150 years later when he's unearthed again. And yeah. maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just a fable on man's greed. You know, maybe you shouldn't, you know delve down it's you know like the it, it's like, basically a twilight it's like a twilight zone episode yeah but like with more physical comedy it's like the um not the trolls what are those things the dwarves in uh you know lord of the rings they they delve too deep yeah. and they unleash the uh the balrog he is basically yeah. the ball he you know this is ma- man's greed yeah for impacting nature and then nature's revenge it's like gojira it's like a, the atomic weapons frog. that have yeah. triggered the awoken the the beast from the deep and exactly yeah. also it's just like a singing frog which is He's funny frog. was he overused do you think when the wb happened i believe it's called the dubba dubba oh, wb please <laughs> If you're gonna do it, it's the dubba 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 wb. If you're gonna, you got to get all nine dubbas in there. Which was an why do we know? I mean, it's amazing yeah. that we, it's we amazing this that uh, this this one off character yeah. uh, became like a representative a representation or a figurehead for a whole network. Yeah, did he recur? Was there more than one? No. no. I don't know. He might have been. He was probably in like Space Jam. Space Jam or back to yeah. Bugs that doesn't count. Okay, so Michael Oldman with Michigan. Do you want to continue with Michigan if he's on your list? All right, no, I, I think we pretty much kind of. Okay. I mean, he's evil. I mean, let, let's. It, it, it really does come down to. Do you think he just has stage fright? Then he's not really evil, and there's no real bad guy other than maybe man's greed. But I think Michael and I both know the score here. Yeah. I mean, if you you're dealing with an immortal frog. That's your first sign that you're dealing with something that's <laughs> not just merely not just yeah. merely along for the yeah. ride. So I'm going to go with my first one. Um, and I know you mentioned or your second one. Well, my second one. You're right. Okay. Um, and you mentioned not hitting a home run. Mm. That's exactly. I thought you were trying to drop a hint for this one. Uh, because decades before Space Jam, we had ample evidence that Bugs Bunny was an athlete of unprecedented abilities. Mm. Now, not only could he smack home runs, turn double plays, and throw strikeouts, he could do it all by himself. And in Baseball Bugs, it showed him to be a combination of Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Bob Feller all, all rolled into one. But even solo baseball teams need their foils. That's where we, the gas house gorillas come in. Oh. So if you used an entire team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they are villainy collective. Hmm. Um, it's, it, it's, I was doing a little bit of research on this. There's an animation historian named Michael Mayer, Michael Barrier, who pointed out that post-World War II, kind of the role of the Bugs Bunny villains shifted. That pre-World War II, they were really kind of like these bumbling, harmless kind of Elmer Fudd types. Then after World War II, there's a little bit more menace to the uh, villains that you would see Bugs Bunny go up against. And they were actually bad guys who you felt like actually could hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cer- so- certainly uh, we'll probably see this in, in the rest of our lists or I don't know, but there is definitely like even a body type that changed where yeah. all the villains and 
bad guys just turn into these kind of hulking brutes. Yeah, they're yeah. like these barrel-chested, kind of unsh- I mean, in terms of the gas house gorillas, unshaven. I was going to say they're gorilla men, but they're, they're literally yeah. gorilla. They're like crow magnets basically, yeah. who have been given baseball bats and kind of free reign to wreak havoc on diamonds everywhere. And so, you know, Bugs Bunny's whole win, it's basically a microcosm of what baseball is all about. It's speed, skill, and brains kind of uh, trumping brain, uh, brawn and raw power on the sports field. I mean, for God's sakes, the last gorilla actually takes a tree from the ground and uses that as a baseball bat to smack a ball all the way to Ellis Island, where Bugs Bunny then climbs the Statue of Liberty to catch it so that the the Statue of Liberty can actually make the final out. Is that in play? I think I believe that is. I believe that is is. part of the ground rules there. Well, you know, know, if you've got Lady Liberty in your pocket as your ump, you're probably in good shape. What kind of that seems to be every kind of pro-immigration message wrapped into one somehow? (laughs) Patriotism? Yeah, it may have been a mea culpa for the uh, internment camps. I don't know how that worked out somehow. When when Trump, when King President Trump comes around, he will build a wall. Is it King hyphen President Trump? Or is it President hyphen King? We'll get that worked out. Emperor Lord Trump. Right. Um, That that, uh, there would be a wall so high that folks could not scale it. But I just, besides the fact that I Well, he just burrow underneath. Right, right, right. But he would make a left, should have made a left turn in Albuquerque. Yeah. I mean, besides the fact that it's, I think it really sets, like I said, an archetype for the Looney Tunes bad guys kind of of the late 40s and 50s. It's just a great cartoon. I mean, it is, you've got so many great little sight gags in there. The Bugs Bunny being able to throw, you know, the the ball that the guy swings and misses three times out in a row, you know, burrowing under to make the slide. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, if you love baseball, it's a perfect kind of like, Love letter to baseball. It's a great cartoon. They're great bad guys. All right. So let's move on to Michael's second choice. Now, needless to say, uh, if you go to the website, uh, Mount Rushmore podcast dot com or even or, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is correct. One extra point for Richard or even go to our Facebook page. We'll put links to all these cartoons as we find them if they're available. So you can uh, view and adore them as much I, as we do. I, I really need to not. Someone needs to take that away from me. Yeah, get <laughs> take the buzzers away from me. Okay, I'm, I'm moving I'm, these away from please. Richard, and uh, the floor is now up to Michael. Uh, my second one is uh, Toro the Bull from uh, the Bugs Bunny classic, Bully for Bugs. That's a good one. 1953. Uh, Bugs Bunny on his way to um, the Coachella Valley. Uh, was he going to Coachella? He wasn't going to Coachella. He was going to the Coachella Valley. Ah, was that by Rancho Cucamonga? <laughs> uh, he was uh, headed towards the uh, Carrot Festival there. Oh, right. And uh, of course, uh, as, as we know, when it, as those of us who have been to uh, Coachella Valley, yeah, nothing but carrots. It's all carrots, as far as the eye can see. Oh, it's so industry driven now. It's <laughs> kind of carrot festivals totally sold out. <laughs> right, sponsored by Pepsi. <laughs> so uh, go ahead. That's okay. He uh, he uh, makes a, a wrong turn. Don't know where. Probably Albuquerque. <laughs> you can't make a right turn in Albuquerque. I don't think. I think every turn there is going to lead you into yeah. trouble. Uh, and then he ends up, I guess, in Spain uh, in the middle of a bullfight. Sure. And uh, the because as you do, as you do, and uh, the bull in question is just like we talked about this huge, hulking, menacing, really evil, violent bull. Uh, everything about him just screams bad guy and villain. He's got these bloodshot eyes and he's snorting and stomping up a storm. And he's uh, in the process of trying to gore the uh, the matador at hand. Um, but then Bugs Bunny's just trying to get directions to where he wants to go and as often with uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, he he just gets pushed too far. Like and he he is so reactive. Uh, you know, a lot of the Looney Tunes characters 
they're kind of just jerks, all of them. I mean, Bugs Bunny is ultimately a good guy, so is Daffy Duck, I guess. Yeah. Well, it depends which era Daffy Duck we're talking about. Yeah, but they're like whether he, you know, uh, but he's he doesn't like being pushed around and he's going to push back and he's going to fight back and use all of his guile. And because at some point you realize this means war means war. Yeah. Um, but he really, he really pulls out all the stops to take the bull down and he gets his licks too. Like he gets, he gets run over and he gets put through a wall and the bull is just this, uh, like the bull is like a malevolent force of nature. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe each of these characters is kind of acting as they're just acting in their nature. The bull is going to do what the bull is going to do, uh, which is try to gore you and spear you. That's right. And Bugs Bunny is going to do what he's going to do, which is, you know, trick you into running into a giant anvil. Can we get an anvil sound, please? Someone's asleep with the. There you go. Sleep with the anvil. Sleep with the anvil. Uh, See, if I had things by me, I would have been. You would have been right on it. Yeah. We got to get a fourth. We got to get another producer in here. Um, what are your dogs doing? Yeah. <laughs> then by the end of it, like he puts this bull, like he humiliates the bull as you do and puts him through this tremendous like Rube Goldberg type machine. And then I'm sure he was slaughtered yeah. the bull as <laughs> as per customs in Spain. That's awful. But <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The bull is just is just, you know, I think it, like uh, Michigan J. Frog or, or like the baseball team, like he's never seen from again. He's just he's this there in this one cartoon. He might be in a weird gets re- one off re- thing. gets recycled into like a video game or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, he's just great. Well, and it is that is that bull like uh, Pepe Le Pew and these other characters that are European descent. Is he stylized in a very dramatic way? Because the, well, he's he's just built as like this tremendous, uh, this tremendous like triangle okay. of. Well, they don't make him like like Spanish. In, like, don't re- yeah. like, you don't say he's Spanish. He does not, doesn't take a siesta in the middle okay. of the short for two minutes. But he's not this representing the Spanish menace that was going on. That, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. the Spanish flu of the yeah. late 90s. I've, one thing about a lot of the ones we've done so far, I think all of them we've done so far, is they're kind of this, excuse me, this manifestation of the malevolent forces that are beyond control. I mean, to some extent, certainly Michigan J. Frog or this. I mean, they're, they're just characters who are evil by nature mm-hmm. or villainous by nature. It's not like they really have anything to gain by it necessarily. It's just that's what they do. They're the, you know, he's a bull. Gores people. Yeah. Michigan J. Frog sings and then stops singing. The baseball team just yeah. be- beats the hell out of people and wins games. So it's this is, as we would learn in kind of fiction class or whatever, this is man versus nature. Yeah. Okay. So, sort of. All right. So uh, we're actually one path. So Richard has, this would be your third. So we're going to take a little brief break and let people know that, you know, we dialogue about all this fun stuff that we find interesting and debate. But you can dialogue with us on our social media platforms such as Facebook. Uh, Twitter, and now we have Instagram, so you can see our lovely mugs. So um, go to facebook.com, Empty Rushmore Podcast, or at Empty Rushmore Podcast on Twitter, or at Empty Rushmore Pod. Sorry, it's all Empty Rushmore Pod for Twitter and uh, Instagram, and you can uh, get in the conversation with us. You can suggest topics you'd love to hear our top four. Give us your top four, share what you want, and we can bicker with you as well as each other. I had one of my friends come up recently and suggest something that we just did. So... Good job, guys. Right on. Did but has not yet published. No, no. It came out. All right. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Okay, so Richard, we're actually to your third. Yeah, my third. And I'm going to stick with the theme a little bit of giant barrel-chested maroons, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, I think Looney Tunes are really well known for incorporating classical music and opera into their shorts. There you go. Of course, you've got What's Opera Doc, you've got Rabbit of Seville. Couldn't choose either of those because those are very much Bugs Bunny versus Elmer jams. 
But don't overlook Giovanni Jones from the 1949 short uh, Long Haired Hair. Because there are a lot of ways you can get to the Hollywood Bowl, years of practice, honing your craft, taking the shuttle. (laughs) Or you can just be drawn in as a cartoon character and that's what happens with Giovanni Jones. This is this is great. I I like I like Giovanni. This has always been one of my favorites. But this is another this is another case of where like uh two guys like just being jerks. Like dueling jerks basically. Du- it, yeah, it's dueling jerks. Like Giovanni is uh you know, he's practicing for the Hollywood Bowl and to to sing with Leopold, I assume. Leopold, Leopold. <laughs> and then Bugs Bunny is just like being an asshole. Well, he's just, well, he's well, just he, like playing his music. Playing his banjo, and playing he, like the... And, uh, well, it's interesting because... Then he keeps turning it up. Because on some level, it's you can sort of look at it as a uh, kind of a class struggle or maybe a battle between classical music and popular music or perhaps the Euro snob of Giovanni Jones versus Bugs Bunny's... Working class country, country. Mm. Well, he's from New York. But he also lives like out in the middle of nowhere and he's playing banjo and singing like... You know, 1920s popular hits. So I'm a little unsure what's happening. He's in Hollywood. He's made it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure what's happening. Well, back then, Hollywood, five miles, couple miles outside of the bowl was the middle of nowhere. So I I was always a little unclear of the province of uh, Bugs Bunny. If he's supposed to be a Brooklynite or like some sort of woodland creature. So what is it about Giovanni Jones that uh, you think? He's like the perfect. He's like the perfect Bugs Bunny foil. He's like a literal stuff shirt. Yeah. And that's what really kind of works so well because Bugs just doesn't give a crap. Was this a Chuck Jones? It was a a Chuck Jones. It might be a... uh, It was a Chuck Jones. Was it a Chuck Jones? Okay, good. Um, Yeah, because Chuck Jones tended to do a lot of the the, uh, more musical Uh type of ones. You mentioned Leopold. Leopold. I didn't realize, which by the way, I will do this anytime I'm at the bowl and a conductor comes up. Leopold. Leopold. And then my wife will kind of glare at me like, shut up. You've done this joke a hundred times. Doesn't make it less funny. It's still funny though. I didn't realize Leopold was actually a caricature of uh, the famed conductor Leopold Stokowski, who was the conductor in Fantasia. Along with being like the NBC orchestra mm-hmm. and like all these other like popular look at, orchestras. Look, look at Warner sticking it to Disney again. <laughs> jamming, <laughs> jam, jamming, you jamming that Stokowski. Eat it, Stokowski. Eat it. Didn't he also marry Gloria Vanderbilt when she was 20 or something like that? That's what uh, Bugs Bunny? Bugs Bunny did? <laughs> Chuck Jones? Huh. So, Giovanni, the opera singer? <laughs> okay, but so. it, it just to me, it's just you would really have to go long and hard to find a bit of physical wordless comedy in the whole Looney Tunes world. That's better than the, that closing scene where Leopold is getting Giovanni Jones to hit all the high notes and the low notes. And basically making him turn every shade in the uh, rainbow and eventually causing the whole structure of the bowl to collapse on yeah. top of him. It's yeah. just perfect physical comedy, which is really Looney Tunes, I think, at its best. Yeah, it's good. It's great uh, snobs versus slobs. Yeah, very, very much. Yeah. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. If that one rears its head again, we'll know. Yeah. All right, Michael, what's your third? My third is uh, Witch Hazel. She appeared in uh, three Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um from the 50s, uh, Bewitched Bunny and Broomstick Bunny and um, a Witch's Tangled Hair. She was as typical a witch as you could get. She uh, tried to boil children. <laughs> she tried to murder bugs on a number of occasions and bake them into a pie. You're so judgmental. Well, I mean, she did that sort of that's stuff. Witch stuff. Doing Honestly. witch stuff. That's <laughs> was that a June 4A voice? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She did like, uh, was she Tweety Bird as well? She did a lot of the Looney Tunes. And some Jetsons, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yes. Bugs Bunny would 
he always acted in 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 these ones, or at least in a in Bewitched Bunny. Uh, he acted as the savior, trying to help these mm-hmm. Hansel. Hansel. Wait, which was Hansel? Hansel. Depends if you're Hans, German. Hansel. Hansel and Gretel. Try to help them out from getting uh, turned into uh, food, food, foodstuffs, and um, he ultimately gets caught in the trap. And mm-hmm. each time, it th- there's like an innocent kind of nobility about Bugs Bunny fighting this witch uh, that he ultimately turns around on her. And it's, um, but she, I mean, she, you know, the worst thing you could do is try to eat a child, <laughs> <laughs> and she's constantly trying or tries to eat bugs. Uh-huh. And um, fascinating thing about her, by the way, yeah, the first, uh, the first one we're talking about. The uh, Bewitch Bunny. The Hans, Hansel. Hansel? Hansel? No, the Bewitch Bunny. She kind of wins. Remember how it ends, right? She actually transforms into like a sexy she bunny. Well, she does. Uh, that seems to happen quite a bit. Um, also in uh, a Witch's Tangle, I think. Oh, no, no. It's the other one. It was um, Broomstick Bunny. She gets uh, transformed into a, you know, smoking hot younger version of herself, which is the end of the world for her. Right. She, uh, you know, she, (laughs) the worst thing that could possibly happen is to go from the green skinned warty, uh, so what you're saying is clicking. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you're saying it's really a, uh, a look at gender politics, sexual politics. And (laughs) there is a certain, there is a certain sexism that comes (laughs) into play. You know, what's funny is that, uh, the, which, as a transformational character, a changeling, is mm-hmm. in so much of fairy tales, like grim fairy tales and things like that. And also, I think that archetype of witch leapt into the Jay Ward, Rocky and Bullwinkle fractured fairy tales, as well as into the Sid Marty Croft world, too. Wasn't Witchy Poo very much a kind of a witch hazel type character? Yeah, I think she was. We've lost Michael, Jeff. Oh, the eyes. We might as well be talking. <laughs> yep, he gone. I got hit on the head with one of those anvils. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen a, like a really paid attention to a Sid and Marty Croft anything. Okay, really? It, on it, it just never. Land of the Lost. Uh, I guess that garbage. Did you have independent TV growing up here in Los Angeles? Did like the independent TV stations that couldn't afford anything made in the? No, 80s? I mean I watched I watched Land of the Lost. I just I never really. But there was like a more cartoonish. This guy's a total sleaze slack, by the way. <laughs> sleaze slack, by the way. Yeah. I'm also a sleaze slack as well. He's a Sigmund and a sea monster. Well, uh, yeah, Sigmund the sea monster. I never, I never. You know what that. he's doing is he's giving equal time to female villains, and that is a very important thing <laughs> in today's um, economy. I don't know why I said economy. Okay, so um, Michael, that was your third. Richard has leapfrogged ahead somehow. It is now because we shared the one. Because so. we shared the one, so his four is coming up. Yeah, and my four is Ralph Wolf. From the series of Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog cartoons. Um, first off, let's get something out of the way. This isn't Wiley Coyote. No, it's not. Okay. There's two different species, two different characters. Yes, they have a tendency to rely on Acme products. <laughs> and yes, they have this kind of desire to steal an animal. There's a lot of differences. So Ralph Wolf, got a red nose. Wiley Coyote, black nose. <laughs> Ralph Wolf, totally different. White eyes. <laughs> Wiley Coyote, it's got yellow eyes. Also, I mean, while the coyote, when he talks the few times, and by the way, that's when that whole series went to hell. Is when yeah. we can all agree that once while the coyote started Wiley talking, right? Coyote. Yeah. Super, super genius. genius. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I love, I love his uh, his uh, East Coast, uh, his Mid Atlantic East Coast yeah. accent. In the, back in the Jim Backus sort of like <laughs> yeah. uh, role that we've can, discussed you earlier. Can hear the ascot, but you don't see it. <laughs> So he's got that accent, and Ralph Wolf is definitely more of a blue-collar tenor. He's kind of a canis lupus of the people, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, he punches the clock, he does the job, and goes home. 
And this, this gets back to us talking about just like this is just nature versus nature at this point. Yeah. They, well, every this every even, animal, every creature on Earth just has a job to do and they got to do it. I mean, this is literal, though. He has a job to do. Yeah. I mean, he comes in, punches the clock, sees Sam the sheepdog there, does the job, takes his lunch break, goes home to the missus. I'm not I'm sure he's just working hard to get his pay, <laughs> bring home the bacon or whatever animal they happen to give him his pay. For doing this job. I'm not exactly sure what type of company this is where there's a job to just hunt sheep. <laughs> well, that there's another person, another animal's job to protect the sheep. Mm-hmm. Seems like a I'm not exactly sure what the uh, see business it. model is here. Yeah, this is, is where is, we get into central. Is Google sponsoring this? Is or I guess Alphabet? They would be above even all of that, They're right? Sheep, sheep industries. This is some sort of like union gig, to be fair, because there's just no need for these two things to exist at the same time. But um, the bottom line is this: it's he was only in a handful of shorts, but he's also part of one of the most classic routines in all of cartoon history. I'll just do it. Morning, Ralph. Uh, Morning, Sam. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And everybody, if you're at your office and you got a cup of coffee and you're heading away from the coffee machine and you see somebody go in there, you go, morning, Sam. The other person will respond with morning, Ralph. That's actually yeah. from a news radio, which was one of my favorite great forgotten sitcoms in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They used to use that uh, bit with uh, Jimmy and uh, Phil Hartman's character would, would say that all the time as they would pass through Dave's office just to kind of get him ticked off they were kept doing it i mean it's just a bit of inspired absurdity and it just turns like this real classic premise on its head and he's just one of the great cartoon characters slash bad guys even mm-hmm. though you know yes he's a bad guy and he's the antagonist of the story he's just he's just a, a wolf doing his job yeah this yeah. is a clearly about our two-party system in the <laughs> united states that's uh, right these essentially are friendly combatants the people who are agreeing that it is in their best interest to have an oppositional uh, side with each other and that has that is how they're going to get further and gain interest for their political which, stance, which is you know really why this could only be made in the fifties. You try to make this today, clearly the two sides would be what? at each other's yeah. throat. There would be a third party wolf coming in, <laughs> you know, an outsider wolf accusing Ralph Wolf of you know rigging the vote again, you know yeah. against him somehow so he could get more sheep. I what don't know how it would work. Before we get to my 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 last one, what was the cutoff for when like Looney Tunes just was it like? The mid '60s, there was like a, a strange uh, point when, like, they all just got bad at the same time. I think television, yeah, I think it's yeah, when they started creating them for television. Well, I think it was really like, yeah, when it, when they stopped being shorts for mu- for movies, and pretty much all of the core directors creators left. I mean, after Chuck Jones left, you had Robert McKinnon and a few of the other kind of '50s directors who. Did a pretty good job of shepherding things through, but also when all the heroin supply dried up at Warner Brothers. <laughs> well, it's when the Animaniacs got put away. That's right. Then... Okay, my big pet peeve is uh, Looney Tunes, Animaniacs. The mentally ill are being used as branding <laughs> in these animated series. If it was physical illness, so you wouldn't say the Leukemia Boys or anything like that. But however, if you're mentally ill, we can start El Pollo Loco. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Boy, someone's a little off his rocker over here, Michael. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your fourth? Uh, my yeah. fourth one, uh, also like Witch Hazel, made three appearances. Um, he interacted with both Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Uh, it's Nasty Canasta, who might be... I think he might have my favorite name of any Looney Tunes character. 
Richard's looking at me puzzled. I, I'll know it when you describe him, I'm sure. Nasty Canasta. You're thinking of Shasta McNasty. <laughs> yeah, I am. Great uh, choice, Michael, but I just didn't know he was here. No, he's on the WB. I didn't know he was. Uh, Nasty Canasta was a Western villain. Oh, He's okay. the guy that was on the Wanted poster yeah. uh, initially in uh, the, his first cartoon, which was uh, Drip Along Daffy, mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, wanted for $5,000 eventually on... Um, my little duckaroo. A later one was, you know, was up to ten thousand dollars. But he was just this, you know, the same sort of gigantic, vile, horrible mustache, uh, brute of a man. That uh, you know, he was he was nearly unstoppable. I I think that uh, Daffy in, the, in his first encounter in Drip Along Daffy, he was like the sheriff that rode into town along with Porky Pig, his deputy Porky Pig, and tried to take him down, but just I, to no avail. I think Daffy never really succeeded in anything, which was his... Right. Which is no matter what uh, he was doing um, in uh, My Little Duckaroo, who's kind of more of a, a Lone Ranger type. Right. And um, I'm going to go off book real quick, but in, uh, in the, the one where he was basically Robin Hood, uh, mm-hmm. Robin Hood Daffy. God, how could I forget the name of Robin Hood Daffy? Right. Uh, <laughs> He never accomplished anything in the roles. Or Duck Dodgers. Yeah, or, when he was yeah. Durlock Holmes. Every role he was in was such a failure, and he always lost. And usually Porky Pig was the one that somehow was able to write, write the ship, and he was the true hero. But um, Dribble on Daffy was great. There's one scene where he's trying to go mano a mano with Nasty Canasta and uh, drink the same drink mm-hmm. that like and he had like he poured every you know almost like almost like he's almost like Andre the Giant every sort of booze was poured into an American. his mug <laughs> an American yeah and uh, Nasty Canasta drinks it and just like his hat like just flips over his head and that's the only effect and then Daffy takes a swig and like he goes insane and his head blows up oh. and. He just can't hang with him. Uh, I think he's eventually taken down by Porky Pig by something stupid. Yeah. But he was in later cartoons uh, in one with um, Bugs Bunny and uh, Barbary Coast Bunny. He's like running uh, a gambling saloon in San Francisco and Bugs like has to outwit, you know, outwits him. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, it was another thing where like something untoward was done to Bugs and then he rolls up his rabbit sleeves and. Has yeah. to has to destroy him and the only like entirely, but he was just uh, you know this this hulking menacing, the worst person in the world. I mean, yeah, he was nasty. Yeah, he was. All right, any pirating comments? Yeah, I just the the one I didn't mention that I really hemmed and hawed on was Adolf Hitler. I thought long and hard about this. I really wanted to use Hitler as like my fourth one from all the kind there of there were so many historical people in the Warner Brothers. Yeah, and they then they used Hitler obviously in these propaganda films that yeah. they made during World War II mm-hmm. that you just don't see on TV anymore for some reason. For some reason. Can't figure out why 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 Bugs Bunny nips the nips <laughs> isn't being shown more often, that for is example. A good point that cartoons became the domain of children for a very long time there. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean it, Well they they were just paired they were paired, must have been paired with newsreels. Mm-hmm. So it was an easy way to get the same pro-American message across. Yeah. Like yeah. You don't even have to walk this, watch this black and white newsreel. Mm-hmm. You can watch Bugs Bunny and yeah. Daffy Duck take down Mussolini. Exactly. Because if Daffy Duck can do it, you can do it, too. Well, <laughs> Although I kind of sorry, I kind of secretly hope <laughs> Daffy Duck got like one up by Hitler. <laughs> just like he, just, he can't even win against the evilest person that's ever lived. The Rodney Dangerfield of cartoon characters. No respect. <laughs> well, I think we can all agree that um, what made the villains in Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies comedies and cartoons so potent is the fact that the protagonists in those comedies weren't always 
having the best intentions. There were Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all these characters weren't always the best people to begin with, but they sure were entertaining. So I'm going to mentally tabulate uh, who I believe is the winner of this competition. While doing so, I'm going to bring up my judge's corner, my judge's pick, and that is somebody who you guys probably did entertain, but uh, you used up some of mine in your list, so I'm going to choose <laughs> Commander of Flying Saucer X2, Marvin the Martian. Ooh, is that a secondary guy, Michael? It might be a primary villain, but we'll, well, we'll allow it. I mean, you're the judge. Yeah. Uh, because your uh, decisions are, uh, are, are, okay. are binding and final, right, well, yes. no Tasmanian devil. I don't feel like he's that. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. So uh, what I fascinated me as a kid was why he was dressed like no Martian that I'd ever really seen before. There wasn't a space <laughs> helmet. There wasn't right. any kind of suit. He, he, was, was he was dressed as like a centurion. He was dressed as the Roman god of Mars, yeah. which I later discovered, but. Finding him kind of so interesting in that he seemed to have such a kind of obviously like a fish out of water, kind of a Martian out of planet. Does he have a head or a face? Yeah, it's or just does a black he, Or is it just like a, an absence of a head? Oh, like the depth of his helmet is shadow and we see the brightness of his eyes. Yeah, like out. what's happening there? It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a black hole in space. It's a black hole in space. The, the, his eyeballs are actually at the far end of the galaxy. You just can't, you can yeah. see it as a, as a concept, that but you can't actually get there. So we have, um, each of these gentlemen have registered their four choices. I've uh, registered my choice, which was quickly debated. And then uh, they threw me a bone because I'm the judge and I have no other fun than just choosing my one thing. Um, but let me go over the choices that these guys tossed out there. Uh, Michael and Richard both said Michigan J. Frog. Then Michael continued with Tor of the Bull, Witch Hazel, and Nasty Canasta. Uh, <laughs> Richard's two, three, and four were Gashouse Gorillas, Giovanni Jones, and Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog. Well, just Enemy Ralph Wolf, yeah. Oh, yeah, just Ralph Wolf. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there is an unprecedented happening here. This is the first time this has ever happened, and hopefully the last, because it's not very interesting. There has been a tie. What? There's been a tie here in the uh, Mount Rushmore studios, and I, I really think both Michael and Richard dug down deep. I meant to say evil Tweety Bird. Uh, uh, oh, Michael what? is the winner. Michael what? is the winner. Michael is the winner. <laughs> no, this was a lot of fun for all of us, and uh, I think they both deserve the same exact amount of points there for, for really kind of nullifying all of their efforts. So, so basically, there's no point in us if no, no no point. up today. <laughs> We're going to delete this podcast. No, actually, uh, we would like you to uh, comment, maybe let us know who you thought the winner yeah, might have been. Break this tie. Yeah, help us break this tie and let us know who you might have missed. Um, I would have gone with Gossamer, by the way, if I had thought about it. Oh, yeah. okay. What about, so. the, what about the Crusher? The Crusher? That's pretty good, too. So that's been, that's all for this episode. My name is... My name is... And you know me. Bye-bye, everybody. You can <laughs> that's, that, that's all, folks. Oh, come on. Oh, damn it. <laughs>